So our scripture today comes from the book of Matthew, and we're in chapter 6, and I'm going to read verses 9 to 13, and uh, these are Jesus' words. I know that because they're in red. Jesus spoke in red, apparently. That was funny in the last service. <laughs> so uh, Matthew 6, beginning at verse 9, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, I believe that all of us are searching in our life, trying to figure out what we're here for. Why, why did God make us? Why did God put us here? What's our purpose? What's, we're trying to find our own way in life. And, and sometimes as we search for that way in life, um, sometimes there's some people that, that approach it with a, such a sense of hopelessness. I mean, you're born, you pay taxes, you die, you're worm food. It's just kind of a, uh, just a sense of hopelessness. So, so you know, in, in their mind, it's, it's, just, it's just like wasting away in Margaritaville. Just wait for it. Or, or maybe you are um, one who... Um, who searches after uh, experiences in life, um, uh, skydiving or something crazy like that, mountain climbing, or, or um, <clears throat> maybe, you, maybe you like to travel and go places and see things. Uh, um, maybe it is that you, uh, anybody a foodie? I mean, we all like food, but you know, foodie, yeah, I know you are, yeah. Um, and and uh, you like to go to restaurants, and, and so Nancy and I were in Branson last weekend. We just spent some time away and, and took a little vacation, and, and while we were there, <clears throat> one of the restaurants there, excuse me, i got to get a drink of water. One of the restaurants there is um, uh, owned by Guy Fieri. Now, Guy Fieri does a couple of shows on, on some food channel, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, or Guy's Grocery Games, and and uh, so I thought while we're there, I would love to try Guy Fieri's food. I thought it'd be kind of an exciting thing to do. Um, the food was okay. <laughs> the show was great. And there's no show at that <laughs> restaurant. It was people watching show. That was fun. Um, but, uh, you know, some people are after that sort of experiential part of life is maybe that's what gives you a sense of meaning and purpose like a cheeseburger in paradise. We're getting there. Can't decide if you're too young or too old. <laughs> and, and, then, um, and then there's also people who, who, who desire notoriety, who desire um, some recognition, who, who want to be influencers. You know, that whole idea of influencers didn't just show up with social media. That, that idea of influencers um, has been around a long time as people wanted power and influence and fame and prestige. And, you know, they, they just wanted a pencil-thin mustache. If you know, you know. Apparently you don't. <laughs> you know, they laughed at the last sir. I don't know where you all are. But just as much as we all seek a way of life, um, I think that God provides the way for our life. I, I think that God um, uh, has a purpose, a design, a reason for us. 
as a collective, but also individually for each one of us, God has a reason, a way for our lives. Since the beginning of creation, um, you know, animals and plants can't help it. They got to be what they were created to be. They can be whatever uh, God created them to be, but they can't be something else. You know, a lion is a lion is a lion. And, and we may not always like what they were created to be. Who likes mosquitoes? But, but God created it and, and gave it a purpose. And, and, and we don't like the purpose of everything. But, but in general, they can't help but be whatever it is that God created them to be. But we can. We have a choice. God gave us the opportunity to make a choice of, of becoming and being whatever it is we want to be. However it is, we want to, 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 to create our own lives. But what God really created us for is for his kingdom and our purpose within his kingdom. And, 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 but also created us for a relationship with him. Alyssa talked about that in her prayer a little bit. Created us for a relationship, desires a relationship with him. And, and so there's this language of relationship that God created for us, a language of understanding his purpose for our lives as he created us. And that language is called prayer. God created us to be able to speak with him through prayer. So I want to give you a definition for prayer. I've used this before in the, the five years I've been here. I've used this several times, but I, I think it's a great definition. And it's just a very simple definition for what prayer is. And it's simply this. Prayer is speaking with and listening to God at any time, in any place, and about anything. Now, that, that speaking part, we got that down pat because usually we can, we can say something to God. Usually we, we can do that. But it doesn't say speaking to. It says speaking with. There's an assumption that this isn't a monologue. This is a dialogue, a conversation. And that, that second part of it sort of drives that home, speaking with and listening to God. That's the hardest part, the listening to I think if we practice the first part, and the more we practice the first part, the more we're able to hear from God, the more we're able to hear that dialogue rather than the running monologue that we tend to have for ourselves. And so from this scripture that, that I read, Jesus gives us an example of how to pray. It is an example. It is not the only way to pray. It's, it's just Jesus doesn't say, pray this prayer. He says this, this is how you should pray, not what you should pray, how you should pray. Meaning there's movements within this prayer to help you understand how do you pray. And so we're going to pick apart the Lord's Prayer over the next several weeks and look at each one of those movements. I find six movements in it, um, and, and we're going to talk about those. You know, when, when uh, you were younger, baby, uh, you learned how to pray. There's, there's some, some um, mnemonic devices, some acronyms that, that help you learn how to pray. Maybe you learned with ACTS, and, and uh, those, that, that acronym is Adoration and uh, uh, Confession. I got it up there, thankfully. Thanksgiving and Supplication. And since none of us know what supplication means, it makes it difficult. And then there is um, another one that maybe you learned when you were even younger was joy. 
Jesus, others, and you. You know, you put Jesus first, you put others next, and you put you last in the, in the midst of your prayer. So there's different ways to understand how we pray. But in Jesus's prayer, I see six different movements, um, and, and here's what they are. First is praise that we see in verse 9, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then submission in verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then next is petition, which is uh, give us this day our daily bread. And then confession, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Don't forget that confession, our debts, also includes us asking to help us forgive those who have sinned against us, who owe us something, so to speak. And then protection, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And, and I don't know if you've noticed that when we usually pray the Lord's Prayer, we don't say it in exactly that way, the evil one. We usually say, deliver us from evil. But in this particular version, uh, Jesus says the evil one. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. Um, and, and then there's that final part, and that final part is not in the Bible, and that's why all of us Protestants, when we go to a Catholic worship service, we rat ourselves out, right? Because the Catholics pray, and they stop right there, and then we belt out, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And it's actually true that, that later on in the liturgy, uh, in a Catholic liturgy, the priest actually says those words. But they're not biblical, unless you read the King James Version, who put it in there. The King James Version puts it in there, and we have used it ever since. It's not inappropriate to use. It actually is a very helpful conclusion to the prayer. Um, it's, sometimes it's called doxology, but what I'm going to call it is magnification. Um, as we magnify God, we make God bigger in our lives than what God currently is. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So today I want to focus for a little bit on praise, that first part of it, and recognize that as we name God, we praise God. As we offer a name to whom we're addressing, we're offering praise to God. Names are so important in the Bible. Names are vitally important in the Bible. <clears throat> you know, if you... Uh, one particular story uh, is, is that of uh, a man named Jacob. And Jacob is a twin. Now, often with twins, you'll ask the question, well, how close together were you at birth? Well, the answer to this is, Jacob came out second, holding on to his brother's heel. That's pretty close. The word Jacob in Hebrew means heel. But it it actually means more than that. It means what the, the term that we've used, probably in older, it's not used as much anymore, but you're a real heel, meaning you're a jerk. And that's what it meant for Jacob. Jacob was something of a jerk. He was, he was a guy who did everything he could to, to get away from his brother what belonged to his brother. Didn't treat his brother real well. Later, much later in life, um, Jacob is um, at a point in his life where his brother's coming to meet him and bringing an army with him, and it may be Jacob's end. And Jacob's stirred up about this, and he leaves his family and goes off to the woods for a little bit to pray. And, when, and, and uh, it, all night long, he wrestles with God. 
Not just figuratively, he wrestles with God physically. Now, I've had some figurative wrestling with God, but not that, not that actual wrestling with God. And at the end of that wrestling, God renames Jacob to Israel. Israel, by the way, means wrestles with God. Jacob takes on a new name. Naming is vitally important. It's, it's, it's such an important part of uh, biblical ways. But, you know, we do that today, right? If you're expecting a child, you go buy the baby book or go online to the website that's going to that's gonna name all the different baby names, and you're going to pick one. And often you'll pick it either by the sound, maybe by the relationship to other family members, or maybe by the meaning. Biblically, naming creates meaning. In, in the 23rd Psalm, the one we're, we're fairly familiar with, right? The Lord is my shepherd. Yahweh Ra'ah. Lord is my shepherd. Yahweh Ra'ah. What did it mean then at that time to call God the shepherd? The shepherd, the, if you think about it, a shepherd is both a, a, a name and a, it's a job title and a job description. Right? <clears throat> what, what's, what's, your, what's your job, shepherd? What do you do, shepherd? And we could spend a lot of time diving into the meaning and only scratch the surface of that, but, but the, the meaning for us as we read the rest of the 23rd Psalm, which was a prayer, is that, <clears throat> that even in those dark moments of life, those difficult times of life, the Lord is shepherd me through, shepherding me through helping me through, moving me through, naming God as a shepherd. Now, when we name God, we don't limit God. You would think that names, by their definition, limit. And as a matter of fact, when, when <clears throat> Moses um, meets God in the burning bush, Exodus 3, when Moses meets God in the burning bush, Moses says, what's the name? So God says, Moses, you go to Egypt and, and, and deliver my people out of Egypt. And Moses says, um, when I go there and I say, God said, do this, by what name should I tell them? And God says, Yahweh, which means I am or I will be what I will be, or you can't put a limit on me. So we're not meant to limit God by choosing a name. But at a time of prayer, we choose a name because we want to speak to a particular attribute of God, a particular way of understanding who God is. So when Jesus starts off with this, he starts off with our Father who art in heaven. Our Father. What does it mean? What, what, think for yourself, in your heart, while I pause and take another drink. What, what, is, what does it mean for you to consider God as your Father? In the last... 100 years or so, there's been some challenges to this idea and challenges to the, um, the idea of God being a male. And I don't believe that. I don't believe God's a man. I don't believe God's a male. In, the, in, the, in creation, God says, let's make humanity in our image. Male and female will make them. So God is all and much more. 
can't be limited to a particular gender. So it's not about patriarchy. It's not about a, a sense of patristic um, overbearingness. It's not about toxic masculinity. Jesus was using an image from his day and an image that was well-respected. Father was head of the household. Father was protector and provider and teacher in the ways of life. One who's there for you, if we use a modern-day language. One who has your back and your front and both sides. God is everything. And, and, and in that sense that God was the father that you either had or wish you did. And the cool thing about it is that, as I said, that God created a, a language for us to be able to speak to him, a, a way for us to be able to speak to him, prayer. It is the Father who is initiating the prayer that we're praying. God's not, it's not like, hey, over here. That's not how you pray. You pray recognizing God was waiting. God was on the other line going, come on, I'm waiting for you. Right there with you, waiting for you to speak up. God's, God's not off in the distance, but very present. The Father's always listening. The Father longs for the conversation and longs for that personal conversation. So calling God Father remembers that the conversation you've been afforded is an opportunity to have this desired relationship with God. And so in the case of prayer, Jesus uses Father. In, in, in the, the scripture that I read, it was originally written in Greek, um, and because he was speaking to a wide audience in that area, he probably was speaking Greek. Jesus spoke Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. So he uses the Greek word pater, which means Father, but you know, it's not the only word, uh, um, a father sense of word that Jesus uses when, uh, when he prays. Because there's another time where Jesus is praying. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He is, within 24 hours, he's going to hang on the cross. So that specter of the horror of the cross is before him. He knows it's coming, and he prays to God. But he doesn't pray to Father. He prays to Abba, which is the Aramaic word for Father. But, but some, some would say that that Aramaic has a more um, familiar sense. So it's more like Jesus was saying, Daddy. That close, personal, caring relationship. Daddy. The one that you want with you in your times of greatest distress. You need that heartwarming sense that Daddy is there for you. But there's that other part of this, of this verse that says, hallowed be thy name. And none of us knows what hallowed is, so it means holy. And none of us know what holy means. So, um, so as we address the Father, we have to recognize that we're not addressing just any dear old dad, okay? While the, while, while the Father God wants to be that intimately close with us, we have to remember that God is holy. And holy is a word that means set apart or separate from or completely different from. It means that God is completely other. God's not like us. God created us in his image, but we mess that up. To be created in God's image, to live according to God's image, is to perfectly love God and perfectly love people. 
Jesus tells us that, right? What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So God created us with that possibility to perfectly love, but we don't get it right. God never gets it wrong. And so God is completely different and completely wholly separate from us. And in that sense, deserving of respect. When we're praying to this holy one, we're acknowledging that God is God and we are not. That the depth of respect is warranted. Consider that um, in many households, calling your father daddy is a term of endearment. But you also knew the line that you didn't cross when you were talking to dad, right? Because you'd be corrected. There's a line, and, 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 it's, and it's not real clear, but, it's, but the one thing that is clear is that God is God. And so when we can call out to daddy, we do so with the deepest of respect. We call out to the one who is as close as any relationship we could possibly have, and we do so with the deepest of respect, the deepest. I, um, if you've ever been to California and had the chance to see redwoods or sequoias, I've, I've, I stood at the, at the base of sequoia trees and looked up, and it is awe-inspiring. It is amazing. Uh, and, and it's possible to call God daddy or father or shepherd or creator of the sequoias to have that sense of awe. I, I've been scuba diving with my brother, who's here, by the way. I've been scuba diving with my brother, and we were kind of looking at some sea turtles, and I realized that we were down at about 120 feet and looking off a ledge that was 1,200 feet more or something like that. It was crazy drop-off, and you can't see the bottom. And it's scary, but awe-inspiring, the enormity of what God has done. And so you can, you can call out God by those names, God of the sequoias, God of the, the heights and depths. God, my father, daddy, my shepherd. Can you see how the name that you use influences the way that you pray? It changes the way that you pray as you seek to look at a particular facet, a particular aspect of who God is, and reach out to God with that that aspect with that facet. Again, not to limit God because we have every day and every moment of the day to pray and we can add different aspects, but to focus on an aspect that helps us in growing in that relationship. As, uh, as we go throughout this uh, next several weeks, um, I've written a devotion for you. And uh, there's a, in this uh, book, and the, the intro part gives you kind of a, an understanding of how you pray. Um, uh, what is your posture for prayer? What time and where and things like that. Um, it gives that sort of definition very briefly. Um, but then it also gives definition to those six, praise, submission, petition, confession, protection, and magnification. And uh, we're going we're gonna to go through 
through these ways of praying uh, throughout the, um, uh, the six weeks. And uh, there's a devotion for each day, Monday through Friday, and a scripture to read along with it. I hope that you'll do this. And then, and then for each, uh, each day, there's a place to, uh, um, to journal. I don't know about you, but um, so I was supposed to have dinner with my sister last night. I did, by the way, sister and brother. I was also supposed to have dinner with some other friends. Didn't write it down, either one. I remember things a lot better if I write them down. That was confession of my sister and brother-in-law, and brother, rather. Uh, <laughs> um, but here's an opportunity for you to write it down. Each, each day we're going to focus a little bit on, a, on an aspect of, of prayer. I hope that you'll uh, consider using this as a way of helping you develop your prayer life. Also, we gave you a, uh, this is a window cling. You know, there's a backing on this actually that you can peel off. Um, if you're like me, you had to borrow somebody else's fingernails to get the back off of it. But um, you can put that on a mirror uh, where, that you look at every day, uh, your refrigerator or something like that to remind you just to take a moment each day to pray the Lord's Prayer. And in that way, hopefully, it, it, it helps you uh, get a deeper appreciation for the prayer that Jesus taught us, but also a recognition that there are movements in that prayer, not that the Lord's Prayer is the prayer to pray. And we'll do that prayer later as we do our communion. We'll, we'll pray that prayer. Uh, but not as the way to pray, but as movements of prayer to help us with. I hope that helps you. I hope that you'll, you'll start that tomorrow because tomorrow's Monday, and come Monday, it'll be all right. Amen and amen.